This is Kevin Lavelle, and you're listening to Founders 15. You know what the world needs? Another business podcast. Well, actually, maybe it does. See, I've listened to a lot of podcasts, many of which were truly great. I learned a lot and had takeaways that changed my business or personal life. But I often noticed there was no commonality between the interviews as they were wide-ranging, so it was harder to tease out themes between them. I launched Mizzen in Maine to bring advanced performance fabrics to traditional menswear. So just like deciding the world needed a better dress shirt when everyone said it was crazy, I decided to launch Founders 15. Founders 15 is a unique new discussion experience distinct in three specific ways. The conversations will be founder to founder, eliciting an enlightening back and forth of two people with an overlap rarely found in other interviews. In my position as founder of Mizzen in Maine, I've gotten to have extraordinary conversations with other founders, and I know that there are takeaways that a lot of people would benefit from. So episodes will also feature the same 15 main questions in each podcast, helping bring a continuity to these discussions with appropriate probing on key themes as they develop throughout the interview. Perhaps most distinctively, I'm focused primarily on founders building something right now, and not just the billion dollar unicorns that get the headlines every day. These interviews feature real people building real businesses today. Business titans from years ago offer much to learn from, but my focus is on those in the heart of their journey to build something great. To keep things particularly interesting, I'll also be interviewing a few well-known athletes and coaches, founders in their own right, to gain additional insight and inspiration as to what it takes to achieve greatness. Would love to hear any feedback anytime. I'm on Twitter at Kevin S. Lavelle, and I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I've enjoyed having them. Ted and I have crossed paths for several years, so it was really great to visit the Kalo headquarters in Southern California to see what he's built. Ted is a man who loves his wife and his family to the core of who he is. He just didn't love wearing a wedding ring. His business partner felt the same way. So in the classic, there must be a better way, they created a silicone ring that spawned a whole industry and has turned into so much more at Kalo. One of my favorite parts of talking with other founders is hearing the story of how they came up with their name. Kalo came from a love-hate relationship with Scrabble and the difficulty of using the letter Q. Thus, the name Kalo was born that stands for quality, athletics, love, and the outdoors, the common threads of what binds the Kalo community. This was a wide-ranging and not always PG or even PG-13 conversation, so please enjoy and listeners beware. I'm a customer of Kalos and a fan of Ted's personally and professionally. I unfortunately was not wearing their product when I was surfing a few days later in Southern California and nearly lost my wedding ring. Don't worry, Jen, I didn't. And it was a pretty stark reminder of why Kalo is blowing up and creating copycats every day. You can find their products at Kalo.com and thousands of retail locations across the United States. I'm... Absolutely fired up to be out here in Southern California with you, Ted, because this is not only uh, a great place to be, but this is our second chance to do the podcast live, which is so much better than doing it over the phone. So nice. thank you for having me out here. Thank you. Thanks for coming out, man. So um, tell me a little bit about Kalo. Tell me a little bit about Ted. Tell me a little bit about your family. Wow. Okay. How much time do we have? That's, that's, a, uh, that's a loaded set of questions. Seconds. All right. We're 13 seconds in. Um, let's see. So my name is Ted Baker. I am the uh, CEO and co-founder of K 
Kalo. Um, we're an active lifestyle company. Our hero product is a functional wedding ring. Um, my business partner and I both got married uh, around the same time and uh, realized that it was very impractical and quite a pain in the ass actually to wear a wedding ring. So as a result, we scoured- Saying nothing of being married, just the ring itself. Just the ring itself. The actual marriage part of it is amazing. And I think that's kind of one of the things that drew us to want to start the company. Um, I, basically, uh, my wife looked at me one day and said, are you gonna wear a wedding ring? I said, probably not. She said, figure the fuck out, turned around on her heel and bounced. And that was my um, that was my inspiration to be like I should probably figure this out. My wife is very important to me, so uh, I did so. My business partner, who was you know a great guy who I knew from other things, um, said that's genius. We should start a company. I said okay. We did. Uh, Kalo since has become you know a little bit of the leader of the industry. We kind of Google says we founded a white space a white space, which apparently is very difficult to do. And as such, um, we now live in this active lifestyle brand called Kalo, standing for quality athletics, love and outdoors, where the most important things to us are our commitments to our family, our spouses, our jobs. And we're really a company that's become all about commitment, function, and family, quite frankly. Um, before that, I was an actor, proudly an actor, uh, <clears throat> struggling at some points, but uh, still, uh, worthy of bringing home enough to make the, the ends meet. Nothing about your personality says that you were an actor. Nothing. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to keep it ultra clean and ultra, ultra unsassy right now. But um, yeah, so confidence has always been a problem for me, like we've talked about in the past. <laughs> so the, to have the, uh, you know, the nuts to say, hey, everybody quit buying those metal rings and spend, you know, 10% of that and make it mean more was uh, something that was fun for me to do and kind of inspire. Uh, so yeah, we started the company in 2013. Um, I was an actor in a restaurant tour. It was great. And, uh, the company's kind of exploded since then, which, um, is a big, you know, a lot of luck, a lot of hard work, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. Um, personally, I, uh, we started the, we started the company. It was my wife, myself, and our dog and my son. And then we, the moment we started the company, we got pregnant again. So now it is, you know, my daughter, my son, my two dogs, my wife, and a circus pretty much 24 seven in my life. Um, we've had to add on some help. I have an, an amazing uh, set of people that work with me at Kalo. And then I have some people that work with me at home as well to make my life quite livable, if you will. Yes. Which I should say, no names here, but like they're all so valuable. I can't speak highly enough to surround yourself with people that actually, number one, you know, are good human beings. Number two, give a fuck basically about you in general and your kids and your family. And uh, that goes a long way. So anyways, so now, you know, that's me. I'm now a old man, basically. I tell people I'm older than I am so I can act like I look better than I should. Uh, so when people ask me how old I am, I always say I'm like 55 or 60. Um, because if I was 60 <laughs> years old right now, I would look amazing, I should tell you. That's a really good uh, idea. But yes, yeah, so I always overshoot myself so give people a reason to go, you look amazing. Because if I tell them my real age, they go, oh, I thought you were old, and, you know, whatever. So I've never thought of it that yeah, way. Yeah, I walk away from it. I try to hit everything from the other angle, Kevin. That's you know, I wanna, really... I wanna hit, like you should tell people you're like 40. 
Be like, I'm four. I don't even know how I old am you 40. are. Oh, fuck. Okay. No, I'm well, just you kidding. Look amazing. You look <laughs> amazing. So you should tell Let people you're 45. Let me guess how old you are and add 10 years. You look for it. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Exactly. Something like that. So anyways, <laughs> we're, um, we're here now. We're blessed. We're, we're living the dream. And if anybody out there thinks this is a dream, you're, you're out <laughs> of your should, mind. I should dissuade you. You're out of your mind. But it <laughs> is pretty damn it. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So how many people do you have here at Kalo now? Uh, Kalo Home Office is... Um, I mean, we fluctuate, but I think we're at 72 right now. Uh, we go up or down. Like, you know, we have people that sometimes people just perform poorly. <laughs> that happens. And they have to go. And other that times happens. people just move or yeah. get married or they have a kid or whatever. And then we replace them or we try to phase them in or out or whatever. But yep. um, we probably stay somewhere. We've been around 70-ish for the last, you know, last five months, I think. I mean... My assistant does payroll. My chief of staff is the payroll queen. So she knows off the top of her head, but I think we're about 72 right now. That's great. And then you sell your product online and in stores. Yes, sir. We are digitally native. So we started this um, shindig in 2013, all digital, all the time. Realized that when you start a white space, one of the things that we felt was important was to attack the distribution channel that we had available. And because nobody had ever done it before, I had the opportunity to walk into a number of retailers, tell them that I was going to bring them something and make them money very simply. Um, then I told them what it was and they laughed, laughed at me, <laughs> um, told me I was a moron and I should leave their office. And then uh, I then convinced them that actually this was a good idea and they should allow me to be a revenue generator for them. And uh, if they get out of the way and let me help them that I'll make them look like a rock star to their bosses. And, uh, you know, we've now been, you know, soft good of the year and a couple huge retailers. We've done, um, you know, millions of dollars in other places, you know, in, in a single retailer that is, uh, that's things of that nature are nice, but we're now carried, um, wholesale wise. We're in REI and, you know, Bass Pro and Dick's and Academy, um, launching into some, larger mass revenue places coming up here in the next couple months and things have been good. But we understood that the the first thing we could do, the most important thing we could do is understand our customer. Once we understood our customer, we understood how to achieve finding them in other places. And I think that was one of the things that we did that was really, we've made a lot of mistakes over the last five years. Don't get me wrong. No company goes from zero to, you know, whatever without making a ton of mistakes. But the fact that we were able to, in the midst of, you know, mistakes, every two step forward, one step back, or mm -hmm. one step back, two step forward, we were able to really um, make a couple of nice strategic calls and owning the wholesale market. Now we see our business is not half, but it's more like 60, 40, 55, 45 mm -hmm. of digital to wholesale. And we see that kind of swinging with what's happening. And now we're launching internationally and that's going to only drive our digital brand higher. So we see that it will kind of like, you know, bounce up and down, but um, I'm excited. I'm super stoked actually. This is probably the toughest year we've ever had. And I look at it and think, well, we lived through that. Yeah. Fuck it, let's go for another, you know? Keep going. Yeah. Well, let's go back to the beginning. Um, you got married and yes. you and your co-founder said, let's make something that we actually enjoy wearing and doesn't get in the way. Yeah. How did you make your first prototype and how long was it from your first prototype to when you actually started selling online? What were some of those key moments? Well, it's interesting because 
you know, when you, when we were kind of brainstorming this, we had the idea that we really wanted to make in the United States. It was a huge deal for us to be able to be made in the U.S. Um, at the time in 2012, in the fall of 2012, what I found is that it was impossible to do that. Absolutely nobody wanted to take a risk or nobody wanted to do anything within the budget that I had. And remember that I was starting this with pretty much, I mean, you can, the idea of bootstraps, like how do you, what's bigger than bootstrap? Like what if you, hey, you bootstrapped it. Like, but what's the next thing? Like, uh, <laughs> because that's what I did. Like yeah. my partner and I basically used our own money. We've never taken any financial or any institutional money still to this day. Um, I mean, we have a bank that we deal with for like a line of credit, but we still don't actually never take in investors. So in 2012, you know, we each looked at our bank accounts, realized we were pretty much not broke, but didn't have a lot of money. And how are we going to do this? And anywhere that we went in the United States, they weren't looking to take a risk, number one, on anyone. And number two, they, they had no, they weren't incentivized by doing anything in any sort of small quantity. And our first you know, to, to kind of skip a beat though, our first shipment of rings was literally 50,000 rings. Nobody in the US had any interest in doing any of that. They were all like, you know, unless you're dealing in millions of mm -hmm. volume and that was gonna be, you know, the setup charges, it was just hundreds of thousands of dollars that clearly we didn't have and I wasn't in a position that I felt like I wanted to go out and try to raise that. I felt like speed to market was the most integral thing we could do, which now is proof in the pudding. Like, there you go. Like our speed to market was huge. It was key for us. Why you guys are number one. Yeah, so going back and thinking about what we did, we literally, I had done some other businesses in the past that were, you know, failed miserably. And if anybody ever thinks that like, you know, so I was an actor where you basically have to be rejected every day. So you get used to that rejection. So then when you are doing that and doing businesses and the businesses fail, it's just very commonplace. It's, <laughs> you're like, oh, I failed at that too. Okay. Just wrap yourself in it. Yeah, just really the misery of failure really just embodies you uh, and nothing teaches you that better than being an actor. So um, rejection was just part of my life. So going to all these places and being rejected wasn't that uncommon. What I found, up, what I found myself doing was uh, pulling on another resource so I knew uh, and it just really happenstance. I say all the time, timing and, or luck, timing and luck are two things you can't go back and figure out a way to explain. Um, but those timing and luck would be my explanation because there happened to be a guy that I knew through a friend of mine that I did another business with that ultimately failed who created something in Taiwan, this guy in Taiwan, and he happened to be coming to the United States for vacation. And lo and behold, he was flying through Los Angeles where I live and, or lived. And, you know, it turned into, hey, can this guy meet? <clears throat> that meeting was, to say it was um, challenging considering he didn't speak any English. Uh, it was difficult to find him uh, amongst the hotel where he was staying and then to try to communicate. But somehow we did it. We handed him things and said, make, make these make these prototypes. He came back and then it was an email trail between he and I that ultimately landed at 50,000 rings in my garage um, somewhere towards the end or beginning of 2013, end of 2012, beginning of 2013. So we actually incorporated the company in 2000, December of 2012. We started the company basically in 2013. So it took about four to six months of sort, some sort of innovation to make this happen. And I'm pretty sure that he 
made our first batch of of product. And if for any of you guys that don't know what we do, so Kalo, you know, being a functional wedding ring is basically we make a wedding ring out of silicone. And our belief is that it's not what it's made of, it's what it represents. And that there's too many people out there that can't wear a traditional wedding ring, like the beautiful one you have on right now, Kevin. They can't wear Thank those you. because they're uncomfortable, they obstruct their job, they don't go with their life very well. So we realized that, hey, there's a lot of people that wanna solve this problem, let's solve it for them. So we made this silicone wedding ring. Well, the silicone wedding ring that the first batch that we had, I'm pretty sure he probably made those out of a, uh, like it appears as if he put, dump some hot silicone into a tree somehow, or a like a wood mold in some respect, and just said like, fuck it, here you go, and sent us huge garbage bags of rings. Okay. And they just arrived at my house, or actually, well, even going, like to be honest with you, even going to the port to get them through customs the first time was an absolute joke. Like if you wanna talk about not knowing what the hell you're doing, Showing up at customs. Showing would be up at customs, like, list. hey, uh, I had some packages sent, and the guy's like, yeah. So having to even talk your first shipment through customs was absolutely positively something that I can't. I, 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 there's not time to give you the story right now, but just that type of what if and how do you go through that? Like again, having just the sheer luck to even get the product into customs was was huge in its own respect. Um, so those 50,000 rings that, you know, that my partner and I stocked in my, ho in my um, garage turned into my wife, you know, she lovingly came out and asked us, you know, what's, what is that? You know, what are you doing? And I said, oh, honey, this is, this is rings. She's like, clearly these are wedding rings and clearly this is our future. <laughs> right. I was like, yeah, this is, this is a million dollars worth of revenue, right? 20 bucks a pop at whatever. She was like, uh-huh. You're out of your fucking mind. She was basically like. <laughs> You just leveraged our entire existence on these 16 trash bags full of whatever. And I was like, absolutely. We had uh, the same thing in our house um, was for the first two, almost two years, all of the um, shirts for Mizzen and Maine arrived to our house. Your house. <laughs> our, our residential house. Yeah, yeah. And shipped out of our residential house. Absolutely. And our bedroom was full of cardboard boxes. Our house smelled like cardboard. You had no idea that you could actually be a functioning 3PL on your own accord right there. Just, yes. Just you and your lovely wife. Yes. Indeed. Your wife is lovely. So I'm, I'm, I'm assuming she loved the manual labor thing. She, yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So my wife, same kind of thing. Like, oh my God, what are we doing here? So, you know, Cut to, by the end of 2013, you know, we'd launched about mid-year, March-ish. I think our first, our launch date was March. And then by August, September, we, you know, we caught a break here, there, and put together a strategy to how to <laughs> take this to some level. And then by the end of 2013, we kind of had a semblance of like what it was going to be like to actually be a business. Mm -hmm. But it took us a full... I'd say it took us 16 months just to really understand not only the product, but who we were and how we were gonna work together. And my, my, my business partner and I, I mean like so much of the credit of the business actually goes to him um, because yeah, it was my wife and this idea and all these things. But again, luck plays a really interesting role in your destiny. And the fact that he also was just married, had this problem and to be quite frank, we were in two different places in our lives and where I had a little bit of money and some expertise and yes, I'd, I'd you know, gone to a lot of schooling and 
had some legal background and an MBA in finance and all these different things. His ability to like just be like the guy on the ground, like the infantryman that basically like, oh, we're going to do X, Y, Z. And I, of course I did my part as far as, uh, you know, like, again, such, such as you, like, oh, we're shipping. We were, we used to be shipping three days a week. We would ship Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I would ship Monday. He would ship Wednesday and Friday. <laughs> the reason I would ship Monday is because that was my day off and I was able to do that and prep yeah. it. And I, it got to the point where I was spending like eight hours on Monday, just like stamping envelopes and literally wanting to like, Mm-hmm. You're, you're sitting there thinking this is like this is, my this is amazing that that we're like sending out all these rings but mm-hmm. this is if someone is considering the success then they are so mm-hmm. direly misled because you go from i mean i was actually i was making a decent amount of money i mean even today like my what i what i what i show on paper is completely different than obviously as a lot of business owners know what they say you're worth and the money you actually pay yourself are two totally different things. So even today, I'm not even, I'm not really not even making that much more money than I was previous to even starting the company. It's just that I'm much more focused and mm-hmm. I have the ability to make much more of a, a, an impact as opposed to being yeah. kind of a puppet for either a Budweiser, Rolling Rock, Hyundai, Kia, you know, Days of Our, whatever the hell show or commercial I was doing, you know, I went from being a puppet and then having a restaurant to like, oh, now I get to focus on things I really, really love. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, again, if you look at the paper, the the money trail of the paper, obviously I'm worth a lot more, but like what I actually pay myself is actually not that much more than I made years ago, years ago. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, you're just building something. I'm just, you this know, this is that misconception of all of the people angry at Jeff Bezos for his $2 billion donation. Um, because he's worth 140 billion, and why can't he give a lot more? Because he doesn't have that money in the <laughs> bank, clearly. Um, yes. And he's Jeff, you know, an interesting guy, and obviously, what he's doing is fucking uh, to say it's fairy tale and magical would be an understatement. Um, but yeah, so people have this misconception that because you have some sort of success, that you are all of a sudden rich. I had somebody reach, recently reach out to me and ask me for a, uh, a loan. He was like, hey, I want to see if I can borrow half a million dollars. <laughs> and you I don't know how this I works. Was like, I was like, um, who the fuck are you to think that I have a half a million dollars like lying around? He's like, well, Kalo, can't you just like, I'm like, do you know anything? Like, we can't just, I can't just write you a check out of a company and then say, oh, it's my buddy, you know, one thing or another. God forbid if he's listening to this right now. I love you. If you if this is you, you know who I you know who you are, and I love you regardless. But but that isn't real, and I certainly don't have the money in my bank account yeah. for. I yeah. mean, if you were going to ask me for five hundred bucks, maybe. But I struggled that check today. Maybe you got it, and you're going to give me five fifty back in nine days. I'm down. I'm yeah. down. But you know, otherwise, it's really a facade. That's a good interest rate. I'm down for that interest rate. Yeah, you know, good. that's the interest rate he was offering. Uh, so, anyways. So you told us the name Kalo earlier. Yeah. How did you guys pick? that did you come up with the acronym and then you came up with the like you came up with the name and then came up with the words or vice versa kevin i you know what the silliness of all of it is just that i love I'm, naming conversations i'm not that smart and i don't have that much creativity um in 2012 my sister and i uh who i love dearly uh were playing words with friends regularly mm-hmm. I know this is silly, but if anyone ever plays words with friends, nothing starts with a fucking Q. No. There's like Q-I-S. There's like Q-I. Those are two two big wins in words with friends. There's Q-A-T, I think, maybe. I'm not sure, but I can tell you this. I was like, nothing fucking starts with Q. So my business partner and I were 
banging our heads against walls. Like, what the hell are we going to name this? And I was like, we need a le- a word that starts with Q because of course we also have to trademark it. We have to patent it. We have to get the web address. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, I was like, fucking let's make it an acronym and it'll start with a fucking Q. And sure enough, I was like Q-A-L-O because we were thinking about Halo. Halo was on our minds. We try to combine our wives' names. Like just the stupidest shit you've ever heard of. Like the things that you look back and go, we were morons. And the, <laughs> like that's what we do now when we when we think back. We're like, we were idiots. No one, we, no one liked the name Nike when they first well, got it. You know what? And the see here's the irony. When I when I came up with Kalo, my idea was Nike. Because in 1983, <laughs> as embarrassing as this is, number one, I was alive and I was old enough to have <laughs> <laughs> a lot of sound thoughts. Yeah. So, but I thought Nike was Nike. And I thought it was really cool when I found out it was Nike. And it made me feel um, important. And I felt like I was part of a team as soon as I realized that it was Nike. So the same idea with Kalo. And by the way, we're, I can't, I don't know when Nike started and how long it took for me to fucking realize it. But look, we've been in business for five years and people still don't know how to say the name of my freaking company. So I get Mizen in Maine quite oh, a bit. So you just love it too. Yeah. Like you seriously, oh, like the hair on the back of your neck stands up and you want to stab the human <laughs> being with whatever object you're holding. So, I mean, you don't know how many planes that I sit down on and everybody goes, what's this? And, da, da, da. and they, if they know me, they go Quailo or Qualo or, or I don't know. I don't know. But I'm like Kalo and, uh, they're like, that's what it's called. And I'm like, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. people that literally, people that wear it that don't know the name of it is is what is astounding to me. But it is what it is. So I'm trying to involve as many people in the community as possible. But one of my ideas was if we can make this something that people will get it and feel attached to, it's like Ruka. It's not RVCA. You know, the same idea. It's, it kind of goes back to that. Did not know that. Okay, so here, <laughs> here we are. Here we are learning together. Like this is hugely important. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Fuck. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. It's okay. I thought the Bulgari B yeah. U or looks like a V. Yeah. For years, I thought it was Bulgari. Oh well, there you go. Yeah. Okay, so we're on the same place. Yeah. So it happens. And then we're learning together. This yeah. is important. Um, founders sharing thoughts with other founders. Um, so the idea behind Kalo was quality. You know, once we knew it was going to be a Q, we mm-hmm. then put in the idea. You know, the first thing we wanted to do is bring quality to people's lives. And I think that was one of the the founding pillars. And then we just kind of went after that and we're like, what can the A, L, and O stand for? And it after it was just blatantly obvious, obvious like it's about athletics, athletics yep. love, and outdoors. And then, um, you know, we, we actually kind of gave that blueprint to, um, so my business partner's name, my co-founder's name is Casey Holiday. Um, great guy, like a genius in his own right. Um, and his brother, his name is Taylor Holiday, and Taylor runs a company now called CTC Common Thread Collective. They do amazing digital work. And uh, Taylor was really, you know, I can't give him enough credit being the guy that came through and said, you know, like, I, I see this vision for these different things with Kalo and Quality Athletics Love Outdoors and it being the pillar. And uh, probably the hardest thing I ever had to do is like a founder, founder or like, you know, CEO of the company and everything was like, look at him and be like, okay, this is your canvas. Like go paint it. And, um, to his credit, he did an amazing job in, uh, 2014, 2015 of really creating that, the beginning stages of what it meant to be a part of this Kalo community. Mm -hmm. And, uh, the idea of quality athletics, love and outdoors and how that really, 
how those four things really cement what we felt like was uh, the lifestyle that we wanted to kind of portray. Mm-hmm. You know, like we were just two dudes that wanted to represent our wives, that loved our wives, thought our wives were awesome, that didn't want to wear a wedding ring, and we kind of solved the problem for ourselves. And then the the pillars that we thought were important were bringing a quality product, like doing shit outdoors, loving you know our wife and our kids, and then. We both were either, you know, I wasn't a very, I was not like a great athlete, but I, I'm athletic. So I still like to play things, even though like the man before you today is a mere shred of his former <laughs> self. Um, at the time when we started the company, I mean, I told you this earlier, I used to be a medium <laughs> and now I'm a large mizzen. So I have like 16 medium mizzens that like, I'm going to, my goal is either to get back into them or then just pawn them off to the smaller people in my office at this <clears> point. Let's go, let's go with. I'm trying to get back into them, but you keep coming out with cool stuff. So like, actually this one I bought, the one I'm wearing today, this is freshy. This has been sitting in the plastic for like six months. I just haven't had time to open it. It makes it extra special. Well, I was like, there's no way. There's condition. It's not like I had to try to wear a mizzen to see you because I pretty much wear a mizzen all the time. Um, Whether it's short sleeve, long sleeve or whatever. I sleep in your Henley. It's very comfy. You sleep in me. that came out weird, but yes, that's exactly right. Yeah, I, I guess that makes you the little spoon, and I'm fine with that. <laughs> let's not let's not see where this goes. Let's pivot quickly. Yes, pivot um, before our wives hear this. <clears throat> so, walked around the uh, amazing office that you guys have here. And, Thank you. Uh, the cool look and feel of your uh, office is something that I know a lot of when when people walk into our office, they go, "Oh man, this looks so cool." It's like that's not. That's not it. That's not what makes our culture who we are. Yeah. So I'd love to hear you guys have um, uh, the equivalent of a CrossFit facility here. And yeah. you've got, um, you know, really great looking facades and conference rooms. And it's, it, it looks great. But how do you define and defend your culture every day? Defining and defending is, is interesting. Define, man. Where's Casey when I need him? Um, so again, my 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 co-founder, my business partner, Casey Holiday, he he really is the type of culture guy that he just resonates so well with with the people within the building. Um, I mean, we met a couple of weeks ago, and I was and we were talking about you know what we were doing, what we were working on, and I said to him, I said like, your gift is like your ability to interact with these people and lead them in a way. Uh, Leading and being a leader are two different things. There's all this stuff that goes along with it, but he really owns the culture aspect of the company in a way that I don't know if I would have been able to do, quite frankly. And I think that's one of the reasons why he has been such a good um, yin to my yang, if you will. Um, So I think we define our culture by the same things that we define our company with, like quality athletics, loving outdoors, are, you know, we have, we have things that, you know, like our, our mantras, things that, you know, like go home, just be home with your family, with your kids. My wife would argue that I don't, I don't live that one quite enough. Um, uh, it's harder when you're on the road. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a lot harder when you're on the road. Um, FaceTime's amazing. It's not, it's not as good, but anyway. Um, so him, he really defines a culture within the building in a way that I don't know that I could just because uh, he's younger than I am. He sees eye to eye, and but he's so next level smart when it comes to culture and how to get people to really buy into certain things. I'm good at 
speaking in front of crowds. I'm good at selling certain aspects of the company. I can share a vision very efficiently. He can get people to understand their role in a very unique way, and he does that very, very well, and he's been the foundation. So I think he really defines the culture in a way that's super unique and something that has been just astounding. Um, and I think you defend that culture by living it every day. Um, if you don't, again, my wife would argue that I don't live enough <laughs> of the culture, but you know, we, pr- we try to set it up and I, I am actually the anti-culture. Like I'm the yang to the ying or whatever for the culture. Cause I'm like, what the hell is going on? Why are we having a donut party again? Um, is it really <laughs> national Kisher dog day? And we need to bring every dog into the office. Uh, you know, it's give a hug day. So we're going to go take a break and go out and go on a hike and hug each other. I, you know, I can't express to you <laughs> the amount of criticism that I've given to our culture over the last, but it, you know, God love him. He kills it, man. And it works and it's good. And, uh, it's me on the other side of that going, you know, is it, is it really, you know, dress eighties day here? And are we really playing hungry hippos with human beings? I don't get it, but it works. I guess when my team listens to this, they're going to kill me about that kiss your dog day. Yeah. I don't know how we missed that one. I walked into the office. No, no lie. A fucking week ago. And there were 20 dogs in the office. I was like, what is going on? And they were all barking at each other. Well, that's what happens when you put 20 dogs together. Yes. And the irony is, is I think, I think my dog's actually coming to the office today. I don't think there are that many other dogs in the office today, but my dog is a, yeah, I have two dogs, one of them being a like 105 pound like pit lab shepherd. So when he comes to the office, he's pretty good. So he's the other dog in the office that's kind of off leash a little bit. Yeah. Hey dude, we own the building, whatever. Yeah. Like he's just, there's certain things that get, that get to happen and he barrels in here. And as long as there's no children, we're fine. <clears throat> but yeah, when we, there are children uh, in the office, it's bad. That's bad. That's bad news. So I've brought um, my dogs with me to the office every day since I started the company. You, um, every day you take your dogs to the office? They're in, it, it, as long as I'm in the office, they're in the office. Okay, um, we have to hit pause one second. What kind of dogs? Uh, Rhodesian Ridgebacks. Oh, that's that's rad. Yeah, uh, 110 pound. Two of them? Two of them, yeah. Oh my God, what are their names? Uh, well, so uh, Duke and Bo, but we lost Duke about a year ago. Oh, sorry, Duke. Um, and uh, so Bo was a solo dog for a little while. And then we got Murph in March, which for any of you, if your wife is pregnant. Oh, great don't, idea. Don't no. get a dog. <clears throat> it was. Genius idea by you. Way to follow through. Q2 was a very dark time oh. in the Lavelle household because oh. uh, this was a rough pregnancy for my wife. And then we had a puppy and I travel. And so sometimes. Is he a Ridgeback too? Yeah. Oh. And they're wonderfully sweet, but unbelievably obstinate dogs. Your wife picking up like the huge amount, like the, yeah. the a Ridgeback doesn't like shit, small shit. No, I, that's my responsibility. Oh, that's your responsibility. Yeah, no, but that, when you're traveling. No, no, we have a, a dog run. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Yeah. Then you just come back and like yeah. take care of business. I, yes. Uh, but. The glamorous life of being a CEO right there. No one, <laughs> no one doesn't have to pick up dog poop. So. Yeah, um, that's true. But uh, we, we've had our dogs trained. Uh, we, we send them to a place that trains them. And so they are very well-behaved dogs. But they are the only dogs that come to the office because I can't take responsibility no. for 20 people's dogs. No, 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 no you um, can't. So, you guys have 20 people? No, we're at 44 now. Okay, yeah, yeah. I was um, say tw- 20 is really if, low for If that many, it, I would assume yes. there's probably 20 dogs yes, in the office. Yes. So um, we'll, have a, we'll have a dog day at some point. But, um, oh, man. Well, you know, just, for our culture here, Kalo, your employees can have a dog day at my office. 
That's great. I'll bring them out. Bring them right. Bring them right over. Bring them. Bring them to Southern California. It's it's interesting you said about the dog thing. We found out we were pregnant with our second by getting a dog. We rescued a dog. Both of our dogs are rescued. So we have the we have the pit lab shepherd barley, and then we have a wiener dog. (laughs) That's right. I said it. I'm imagining just the yes. the 110 and the six pound dog. It's the 100. Well, the the wiener dog's like 20 because he's a little bit fat, but Ooh, so okay. a 20 pound okay. wiener dog, yeah. full full wiener though. He's a big wiener. And by the way, he's the most beautiful wiener you have ever seen. His name, by the way, Chorizo. Okay. And That's if you good. live in Southern California and you start calling your dog Chorizo on the street, people fucking laugh at you. <laughs> it's like it's just this moment of like, but yeah, are I'm you an idiot. Screaming Chorizo. Yeah, was, uh, Sometimes yeah. there's at times there's, you know, my daughter, my four-year-old daughter now will be screaming, chorizo, chorizo. but, uh, it's extremely empowering when you're in a group of people and you're like, chorizo, come on. And they're like, oh my God, that's the cutest wiener I've ever seen. I'm like, thank you so much. Um, I don't know how we got off. Oh, I was telling you. So we found out we were pregnant because my wife went into absolute hysterics when we adopted the, the big dog. And she was like, I don't know why I'm so emotional. Oh my God. Three days into getting the dog, she's like a wreck. And did you know, or did she know? She said, I feel like maybe I'm pregnant. I'm so emotional. This dog is just killing me. Are you kidding, right? <laughs> Fucking no lie. Seriously? <laughs> pregnant. Right then. That's how we found out she's pregnant. The dog triggered the emotions, which led to the test, which led to the, oh shit, we're pregnant. This is actually was amazing because we were. Your daughter's not going to listen to this podcast. It's okay. If she listens to it, she'll be well. <laughs> yeah. She's not ready for it right now. No, we no, don't like, we don't give her any technology. We try to keep her off the technology. So. So it's <laughs> a whole nother story. We're, we're talking we're about that. randomly changing gears. Yeah. Um, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but how long did you go? You said you're kind of back to where maybe you'd be making about where you were before. Yeah. But early on, you're not paying yourself because you're just getting everything off the ground. How long did you go before you started to be able to pay yourself something even close to appropriate for you know, a family in Southern California? I mean, there's an argument. I still don't. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. I shouldn't have added the, that qualifier. Uh, yeah, you add that qualifier. Um, mm-hmm. So we were, I will tell you this, it was years for me. And I, I was working, I kept the restaurant gig. I kept acting while I was doing Kalo, probably 60 hours a week. So for there was, there was about a two and a half year stretch where I was working literally from seven in the morning until three at night for probably two and a half years straight. Um, and it, you talk about the dark times. Mm-hmm. Those were my dark times. Um, like adrenal fatigue. Like, is there some sort of, what's the next step after adrenal fatigue? <laughs> it, I think it's dead. It, it's either like Elon Musk coke, <clears throat> coked out or, or just literally, by the way, his podcast was amazing. Um, or just whatever I was. And I, I don't drink coffee. Um, I'm not a, uh, this is all natural by the way, which is probably scary. It's actually terrifying to realize you don't drink coffee. So I'm not a coffee guy and I don't, um, I don't drink alcohol and I don't actually do drugs at all, which is probably lucky because I would probably be dead. But the, the fact that I just tried to kill myself for two and a half years until I finally got to the point where I I was going to, and, and when I took a salary, you should know, I took a pay cut. By the way, we're doing million, we're doing tens of millions of dollars of business, and I took a pay cut. The, the last like entertainment gig I did, I think it was like 2015. I played part of a gay couple for PayPal for a European ad. 
Okay. Yeah. A PayPal ad that was to Europe, Europe. Okay. Where me and another guy, as handsome as you, were hand in hand walking. It's a pretty handsome it's, guy. Mm, you guys are fucking amazing. Uh, and then halfway through the spot, they asked me if I would do it with a girl too. And I was like, well, that's much more normal for me. <laughs> so sure. I weren't, worked out to be two spots in one. And that was the last like entertainment acting gig I did. And uh, when I left that, I was like, oh, that's going to be, oh, I'm going to make like five G's off of this day. That's fantastic. I was like, okay, that'll get me through to the next thing. I, I mean, it was years until I started paying myself even the equivalent of what I was making. Yeah. And now today, I mean, I make 20, probably 20% more, but you know, you know, there are certain perks, you sure. know, I, I go to a lot of business lunches. Yeah. Those are paid for by the company. Yeah. Um, there's some other things that happen, which is, which is great, but you got, um, a, good, you got a really nice water machine back there. I have an amazing flow water. If you guys aren't familiar with flow water, <laughs> definitely good. get that for your office. I'll give a flow water plug. Um, don't buy water bottle, bottled water. It's terrible. It's just awful. Please go flow water. Well, I was telling you, we went with Bevy. Yeah, in our Bevy. Office. Yeah, yeah. I, you're literally like yeah. Lacroix is killing me yeah. day by day. Well, but I actually like San Pellegrino because it's got a little bit of. So where I don't do drugs and I don't drink coffee, <laughs> I'd like to admit to the world that I have a. I do have a problem. It's called sugar. Oh, so you're probably a sugar guy. I'm a. I if I could if I could get off of sugar somehow because. Have you example, done a thirty day no sugar challenge? Yeah, I, I did. I okay. did it for four hours. Oh, and then good. I fucking said I can't do this anymore. Good. I'm out. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna retire. It never happened. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, that's my addiction. If I have an addiction, addiction, it's uh, it's sugar in my family is my and work <laughs> actually sugar work family. Those are sugar family work with some order. That's how they go down. So who most inspired you? Oh man, and it can be somebody that you know, or it could be a, a famous person. Right, right. Like how many people you're like Oprah? Do you hear that a lot of that? You're like, oh, I was inspired. They've by actually it. been really good. Really? Yeah. God, mine's gonna be really, mine's gonna suck then. Um, who inspired me? I think um, <clears throat> I've been inspired different ways by different people. So I think there's different um, kind of verticals of my life that I'm inspired by. I think there's some family life that I've been inspired by people. There's some business life I've been inspired by people. I was um, gifted the ability, the chance to work in Beverly Hills for a number of years uh, at the restaurant that I uh, was working at while I was acting and everything else. And I think I had a really unique vantage point on business from becoming such good friends with so many amazing just human beings and business people that would come in and, and that I became very, very close with. So I think I was in, probably inspired by a, a like this wide array of um businessmen and women, everything from real estate to legal people to entertainment people that I just saw do things. Um, I can tell you this recently I've been inspired. Um, have you seen the documentary on HBO with Dre and Jimmy? No. Oh my. Okay. So I was recently, I'll tell you that. Easy. Oh yeah. A couple of people have told me I need you, to see this. You need to go watch it. Yeah. Like you literally need to download it and watch it immediately. I was recently inspired by that because I was like, Jimmy's a fucking genius. Um, so I've actually hosted numerous parties for them in Beverly Hills. And when that documentary came out on HBO, I was like, oh, I got to watch that. And I watched it and I've had the luxury of meeting Dr. Dre. I've had the luxury of meeting Jimmy. I've had the luxury of, you know, and it's called, um, do you call him Dre or doctor? Uh, Dre actually, yeah. when I interacted with him, it was always Dre. And would you, would you say that is a first name basis kind of thing? 
If I was to, <laughs> were to see Dre right now, if I explained where we knew each other from, he would know. But if okay. I just walked up to him and said, yo, yo Dre. he'd be like, Leave me alone. Who are you? Yeah, okay. yeah exactly. If I gave some context, he would, he would, oh yeah. He'd be like, ah. Um, I have a very common face. So people just, you know, I don't, I don't look like anybody important. Uh, so anyway, I was inspired by that recently. I think overall, you know, honestly, my mom inspired the shit out of me, you know, as crazy as that sounds. And um, Not at all. my mom, uh, who passed away when I was young, uh, she passed away when I was 16. Wow. So that sucked. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she was extremely in, inspirational as a, you know, she started a company when I was a kid. Her and my father wound up running that company until like the day she died. My dad then took it to the next level. So I think from as far as like kind of businessy and kind of like how you live your life, my mother inspired me an enormous amount. My dad inspired me like how you work mm -hmm. because, you know, I mean going my father went to work every day in the morning at like three in the morning Jeez. and came home at like seven at night that was his work day what and did it, you do he actually managed a grocery store okay from three until noon yeah like a big like you know like a safeway uh, yep. it was called giant in washington dc where i grew up um but like you know a Publix, a safeway mm -hmm. uh you know whatever a whole foods type thing um so he did that every night and morning. And then at noon, he went and worked with my mom from noon until like six or seven. And he did that from when I was like probably six until I think he quit his grocery job when I was like 12 or 14. Wow. Um, but the idea that what it takes to be successful, people are just misguided. Like people are under the impression like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna... I'm just going to start this company. It's going to be great. I'm like, that's a crock of shit. Like if you don't think that you're going to work harder than you've ever worked in your entire life by starting a company of your own, then you, you should stop now. And I've said this before, stop, go back to your nine to five, take your 80, 100, 120, 200, 220, whatever it is and live your life and enjoy it. Because the idea, and I'm, I'm sure that I'm preaching to the choir with you here, the idea of you doing anything but working into your, you know, into your, at that death's mm -hmm. doorstep thing, it's garbage. It just doesn't exist. If you're not, and the, the thing is, is that you're inspired to do it because it's yours, but then also you're expected to do it because it's yours. Mm -hmm. And there's I, nobody else to. I think the other thing I, I've heard from some, some entrepreneurs and I feel it is you can't possibly do anything else. No. Once you go down that path, you may not know for sure, but you'll know if it's the only thing that you think you could ever do. Yeah. And as much as I loved acting, by the way, and there was, it was awesome. Like I, you know, again, you get over the rejection, it just becomes second, secondhand, right? But then when you do book that job, and it used to be this, the, the, the thing for me was if I booked like five jobs a year, I was basically like stoked. Now I had to go on 500 auditions. Some, maybe, I mean, you, you think about it, business days. I would go on 500, 600, 700 auditions a year to work like three to five times. So the idea of like just changing in your car was like second, <laughs> it was just like, okay, and again, I'm gonna change and people are gonna think I'm an idiot. But if you can do that, you know, to go away from that, which I really loved, which, you know, you, you show up on set and, you know, you go to your honey wagon and, you know, there's, there's, there's food and yes, Mr. Baker, no, Mr. Baker, there's all these things that becomes like, and by the way, I wasn't, 
famous or a star. I was just a dude working, right? Just grateful to be working, to go from that to doing what I do today, which is actually what I love. The 45 minutes that you and I spent sitting down talking, just catching up before we started mm-hmm. this, that's what I love. Yeah. Like there's that's, nothing like it. That's what I'm actually meant to do. Mm-hmm. And like we're sitting my we're sitting in my office right now and what's you know, you walked in my office, you're like, "Oh, I love your office." I'm like, "Yeah, because it's not set up like an office." Like I do business sitting on that couch. Actually, you're sitting in my spot. It's warm. Yeah, okay. It's all good. But, you know, so that's that's like how I operate. Like being like trying to think stuff up, think outside the box. What's somebody doing that they're doing wrong that I can be doing better? How do we build synergy? That's the stuff that like keeps me up at night that I want to work. I literally, I want to work 120 hours a week on. I don't know how many hours there are in a week, but that's what I want to do, right? So like, that's what inspires me personally to know that you're not going to work any less, but if you figure out a way to figure out what you're doing, and a lot of times when I go and speak, if I speak to groups of people or whatever, and somebody inadvertently will always say, hey, can you come and give a speech on whatever? Can you come and speak about something? I'll say, what do you want me to talk on? And every time they go, whatever you want, which ironically is more times than not. I often choose passion to be my topic because the one thing that you can't buy or replace or farm out is fucking passion, man. And when I heard you talk about your company, like when you talk about your story and why you were solving this problem and what you were doing with Mizzen, that's the passion that like just a million other people didn't have, but you had, and now you've made it this, right? And what I always tell people is, it doesn't matter what you do, if you're passionate about it, if you're passionate about Q-tips, then do Q-tips and make whatever money you can and you're gonna be so freaking happy mm-hmm. because you're doing what you love and what you're passionate about. So when I was working like those 21 hours or 20 hours a day, I was lucky enough to be spending at least half of that time on something that I was extremely passionate about. And then I had the, uh, the other luxury of doing things that I liked. I loved the acting thing, I loved the restaurant, I got to interact with people, I drew a lot of great energy and synergy from like the people that I in- encountered and how it went down and actually, all those things taught me how to do what I do today. And then I get to add all that I've learned, you know, getting my MBA, getting my undergraduate, any kind of law school, X, Y, Z, with the passion that I have for what Kalo is. And that's the, to me, that's the recipe for success. It's, it's blending that passion with what you've learned along the way. Because to be quite frank with you, I failed my way exactly to where I am today. And my goal is to continue to fail up you know, because you're never just gonna win at everything you do. Like life gets in the way, things suck, people turn around, you know, things don't go the way you want them to do, so just keep failing your way. And I often say, failing my way to the top is the best thing that I could have ever done. And I'm not even close to the top right now, but I'm like, I'm a low, I'm, I'm a low mid level right now. Yeah. And so I see the, the vertical to, I wanna keep failing in the direction I am. So it's pretty awesome. So how do you stay sane on that journey? Um, my wife. The first thing that pops in my head, I mean, um, my wife is just, you know, she will argue that I'm, you know, I'm gone, I'm working, I'm traveling, I'm between Asia, and we open a company in Europe, we have stuff going on all over, I'm domestic an awful lot, but what she doesn't understand is like the whole crux, the whole basis for my passion is built around my love for her that stems into this like silly little thing that is my representation, my flag and my commitment, which is on my finger right now. And it makes my life so much better and so much easier. 
And whenever I get a little bit outside the box and things start going a little bit haywire, it's always her actually that I go back to. And she's probably, honestly, I'm sure we all think this way about our children and our spouses, but she's one of the smartest people I know. Um, sincerity, uh, she will absolutely put me in <laughs> in husband check on the reg uh, about what I need to do. But, you know, when things spin out of control, it's indefinitely, it's, uh, it's her that kind of like allows me to keep my sanity and focus because, I mean, we're really doing all of this just for our family. You know, when she asks me what's enough, I often reply, the world. Yeah. Like, and that frustrates the shit out of her because she wants to, <laughs> she wants to see an end to the game, but there just isn't. And I'm like, you know what? Like, I love what I do. There's I no love end game. There is no end game. The end game is to continue. You yeah, know, if you have an end, you, you're probably not going to make it. Yeah. I, I don't see me ever actually doing anything else than what I do right now, just on different levels. <clears throat> but if you could take one month and I know you're fired up by work and you love working, yeah. but if you could go away for a month and do anything it could be learning a skill it could be um trekking it could be climbing everest it could be doing something with your family oh, if wow. you could do one thing for a month um what would it be and everything would be covered and okay here here on the home front at the office well thanks for that part <laughs> yeah no th that's covered here um one month so if i could go away for yeah. a month yeah I'll, I'll i'll tee it up okay tee it up because I, I, haven't, I haven't ever thought this was possible. So now you're like hitting well, me with yeah, this is outside I mean, it's the probably, box. It's probably not possible, but <laughs> I, I think it's a fun, it's a fun thought exercise for yeah. what, if you almost, even, even if you had to, um, for me, it would be going and learning how to kite surf and oh. living um, very simply on, on a beach, like South Pacific, um, super just unbelievably tranquil. The water is that, you know, crystal clear blue, almost white, yeah. that it's so clear and learning how to kite surf and surf that I've, I've been kite surfing a handful of times and it's unbelievably difficult. And right when you first get started, huge in Nags head, you ever been in Nags head, North Carolina? No. Oh my God. That's where you should go domestically. Yeah. That's where you should go kite surf. Well, is it um, like really powerful, crazy winds? Cause cool. that's where you don't want to start to learn um, how to kite surf. I think that's like seeing 15 foot waves and going, man, that'd be great surfing. And you don't know how to surf. Yeah. I was in Hawaii two weeks ago doing something <laughs> for work. And one of the days I, I, my buddy was like, can we surf? I was like, sure. We went there and I was like, oh, this is ridiculous. Um, you want to learn how to surf on like three foot waves. Yeah, on a big, long big yes. board. Yes. Um, okay. So for me, um, I would probably break my month up. I would get really bored for a month sure. at, at a beach. Um, I would probably spend 90% uh, of the time with my wife, 60% of the time with my wife and kids, and 10% of the time alone. I, I like that thought process. Yeah. Um, or maybe maybe more like 50% with my kids, 75% with my wife, and like a quarter alone. So like one week, one of the weeks I would definitely be probably like... So what I used to do before I had businesses and responsibilities, I used to go, I used to do a lot of motorcycling. It was like one of my things. Um, as a kid, I was big into dirt bikes and racing. And then as I grew up, it was more street bikes. Um, and I've ridden in a bunch of continents that I haven't had a chance to do in a long time. So I would probably take one week 
And I would blend that with some sort of like glamping or something like that with my family, maybe to do something like that. I would probably spend a couple weeks just with my wife, like kind of like what you're saying, um, maybe like trekking a mountain um, or just hiking uh, something very outdoorsy nature. I'm a huge fan of being outdoors and being a part of the earth. Um, and then probably, you know, take my kids on some of that. But I, to be honest with you, it's hard for me to disconnect. I don't, and it's not that I don't trust or, uh, you know, you, you gave the preface that everything would be fine at work. It's not that it wouldn't be fine at work. It's just a matter of, I actually love what I do and I don't really want to be disconnected for a month. I actually want to. That's part of the thought provoking challenge yeah, of the question. I love like, even if I went and did all these things, I would still be on my email and be on my iPad in the middle of the night, like just checking in saying hello, because I've done two things. I've, I've, I think that like we've built a team of people that I truly adore. And I, one of my wife's complaints is when I go away, she's like, yeah, but you're going with X, you know, like my VP of sales is codenamed dry fire. I get to travel with like a great dude that we have a blast with, you know, like if I go internationally, the offender, another code name, you guys know who you are. <laughs> Everybody by, by the way has a code name. So I get to go with him and we'll travel and do whatever. If I go with like belly rub, I'm there. I've been doing that with him. There's all these different things, the golf cart. I find when I get to travel, like that's awesome to me. Um, I was in Asia recently with one of my guys, Scramble, and he, we had the best time, like just being together and talking about vision and thinking product through and what we were doing. I love that. And I don't want to really leave and disconnect from that. I just want to be able to spend more time with my family. So for me, I would, the month for me would be doing these things that are awesome. I'd spend a little bit of time alone. I mean, maybe skydive a time or two, like maybe, you know, Switzerland's amazing. I could probably do Switzerland for like two weeks and then maybe do like a beach area two weeks and have my family with me for some of it. Cause if you guys have never been to Interlochen and gone canyoning or whatever, that's amazing. Uh, I was in Hawaii two weeks ago for the ultimate Hawaii trail run, which we sponsor. We're like one of the sponsors of that. And uh, like talk about helping kids in Hawaii, just a crazy, crazy, great cause. Aaron Hoff, if nobody knows about the ultimate Hawaiian trail run, you should know about it. It's, um, it's awesome. And I almost died doing the trail, but it was amazingly fun. Um, I did it with one of my guys, Red Baron, and he was just like dragging me through it because of course he works out all the time. And I just decided to do a 10 mile hike in the woods. So who knows, but, um, so some, somehow of combining like f my wife, my kids for not all of it. Cause I still want my wife a little bit alone and then being able to keep up with what's going on would be huge. So I guess that's how I spend my month. I probably just avoided that entire question. You dance around, but it's okay. All right. So we talked <clears throat> a lot about the challenges and, um, struggles early on and getting the business going and how hard you're working. Mm -hmm. um, I know you don't see it necessarily that way, but there's sacrifices along the way. Absolutely. Rather than talk about all of it, is there one thing that you feel like, man, that was definitely the single biggest sacrifice I've made? And uh, the obvious answers are just time away from family and, and that could be it. Um, but is there one thing you feel like you sacrificed most on to get here to this point? The sheer, the sheer, um, I mean, I think we all, Every day we all sacrifice something to do whatever it is we're doing. Um, there's an opportunity cost for every single thing that we do. And there's really no way to get around that. It's just, it's all an aspect of, you know, what you deem most important or what you really want. Um, 
for my career, I sacrificed where I thought my career was going as an actor. I thought it was going in the right direction. So I think that was a sacrifice. The biggest sacrifice is it's the most obvious one. It's, it's like my relationship with my wife and the time that I spent away from now both of my kids. It was only one to start, but now it's two. And it's, you know, my son was, uh, I mean, I don't know, he was probably eight when we started the company. And the the amazing thing about that is it, like hearing his business sense, he's totally like, he's just listening. He's been in the car one too many times when I'm like, you know, either talking or visioning things out or doing whatever. And now he's like this little 13 year old. It's like, dad, we could do whatever. I could make money doing this. And I'm like, wow. You know, that's a good byproduct. The bad byproduct is, you know, like... Shaking his friends down for the next business opportunity. The kid is a total... He is absolutely... (laughs) He is a shark. He's absolutely ready to be a shark. Um, The bad part is like, you know, you you have a child and then you're away. My wife... So our employees, you know, like, you know, you have a kid, you get all this time off. My wife will regularly say, we had our daughter on a Saturday and I went to work on Monday. And... I can't give that back and we're not having any more kids. Yeah. Um, so for me, that you was sure about that. Yeah. We'll adopt, <laughs> we'll adopt, but I'm not sure, but I think at least um, my wife, my wife says shop's closed. So we're good. We're good. Um, I think for me, it is the most obvious one. And it's your, the time with your family is the yeah. one thing that I can't get back. It's the one thing that I've completely sacrificed. And it's the one thing I, I ask for forgiveness from my wife on a regular basis. Um, it's one of the reasons why I respect my wife so much because she just holds it together. I was in China one time and we were having work done on our house. It was pouring rain outside and she said the contractor and the workers got into a fight in our foyer, like a fist fight. (laughs) If you haven't been halfway around the world when you received that call from your wife, you know, when you receive the call and the tone, you see it's your wife calling, you step away. It's whatever time it is. It's completely so, you know, you, you're, you're totally like off balance. And then all you do is hear the hello. You and know, it's at, a bad call. At the hello, you just say, I'm calling Delta right now. Like I'm changing my flight right now. Like that was one of those times. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no, there's like, there's no, can I have a pass for this? The great part about being in China and getting that call is you're still like two days away from being home. And (laughs) I said, I'll be home. Let me, I'll be home tomorrow. And tomorrow for me meant two days away for her. Uh I hear about it daily, Uh not daily, but I still hear about it on a regular basis. Um, I, uh, my son had his appendix burst while I was traveling internationally for work. And I came back into the country and my phone lit up with like 42 text messages my wife is busy with my son in the emergency room while she's breastfeeding my daughter while i mean like the shit that goes on you just there's no way that there's anything but that is my biggest sacrifice there i mean i wish i could come back and say oh something interesting or something out of the blue but my family is there it's it's and unfortunately my wife will come continually tell me like it's she keeps going when is this going to end and my answer is as soon as humanly possible and in my mind i'm thinking i have no idea she knows that it's okay yeah she probably this is not the first time she's heard it i love you honey so when you think about um i i know we all feel the same way like we're not there there's no there there yet but the moment that things really changed 
for Kalo when it started to become, you're not just trying to convince somebody that this is a thing, but people are actually buying product and meetings are going well and you're seeing momentum. Is there a moment that you felt like things started to change? Is there a, um, whether it was a tipping point or something that somebody said to you that you recall, man, this is, this is happening. Yeah. Um, in August, I think September, 2013, HBO Hard Knocks uh, did a showcase of Andy Dalton, the Bengals. Andy wore, wears still actually a Kalo ring. Um, great human being, by the way, just like surround yourself with great people and great things happen. Um, that was the first thing. We parlayed that into my business partner saying in December of 2013, I need to quit my job and do this full time. I think that is a second step of that. The third step is when we came on and brought on and Taylor and Common Thread started working with us in March of 2014. And by October of 2014, we purchased our first building, which was I think the first thing that we like did that was real, that we were like, holy shit, this is real. Um, and we went from like 12 human beings working in like a 250 square foot office to like, now we just bought a building and we're gonna move into a building of our own. And then like I, we basically kind of designed it and made it what it was. And it's kind of a smaller version of this. And then the building you're in today was like the next step. It's a big deal. So really cool. those things like, you know, this happens that, you know, and then more recently, like, you know, when LeBron James is wearing your ring, you're like, do you know how he got your ring? Did you send it to him through somebody or we, did someone give it to him? We had, yeah, we sent it to him through someone, through somebody, but yeah. then to see him like wear it, talk. Yeah. Um, and like Steph was a huge one. Like when Steph wore the ring, like. That's really cool. Uh, amazing. You yeah. know, but then you have like Bryce Harper, like all, th those are the other things. Like you forget, it's very humbling for me to think that like I, this, this is, turn to this because the people that now are behind it and follow it are, are LeBron James is arguably the biggest name in the world right now. In fact, in fact, they just came to the Lakers and we're in LA, like, it's crazy. But to have those types of things happen and, you know, to see him wearing a ring that says James gang that we customized for him yeah, and bring it's, really it's, cool. it's very humbling because by the way, I think that guy is a genius. He's amazing. Like, forget what he does in the basketball court. Like, that's, but I think his mind, I, mm -hmm. I'd love to, like, just as a business owner, be in a room for a half an hour with him because I think that what the things that he sees and decisions that he's made all along the way, people can critique whatever, but this guy's a beast. He's a Criticisms beast. of him are such bullshit. Oh my gosh. You people. The reality is for him to have come out of high school and to be who he is, the fact that he has not slipped even once is absolutely astounding. And look what he's, I mean, you know, people complain at, you know, at the school or this or that. So many amazing things that he's done and what he's doing for, I think he is probably one of the biggest pop culture icons that we've had in, in however long, I can't even think. But like, but if you look back, when I think of athletes, to me, the best athletes are always geniuses. I mean, just in basketball, look at Michael Jordan. That guy's a genius. Kobe. Look, yeah, right? Yep. Assassin, killer mentality, 
genius. He's, he happens to be athletic as well, mm-hmm. but the guys, you know, bilingual. They, they operate the te- at a different level. Absolutely different level. And that's yeah. what excites me. And that's what the things I look at, even if you look at like Peyton Manning as a quarterback, mm-hmm. Tom Brady, guy's a freaking genius. Yeah. I mean, as much as he can throw a football, no matter what that dude did, he yeah. was going to be great. Yeah. He was going to be great. So anyway. So um, when you think about uh, 10 years from now. Yeah. I, we were talking before we started, before we hit record about all the things that you're working on. Yeah. We don't need to go into all the details and some of which will be revealed at a later date. But where do you see Kalo in 10 years? Where do you see the empire that you guys are building, starting out of this building and extending into other realms yeah. in 10 years? <clears throat> well, first of all, I guess I'm a, I'm a double XL. What am I, a double XL at that point? <laughs> we'll, we'll make three by then. <laughs> Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Slim fit, though. Okay. Three slim fit. Okay. All right. Whatever. Um, <laughs> just depression. I'm in a state of depression right now. Um, uh, in 10 years, where do I see us? Uh, well, where do I see Kalo? Um, look, the bottom line for me is the, the people that I aspire to be are Patagonia and Nike. That's what I want. Um, I know that's big. Those are big shoes that you know people would look at me and go i'm crazy but like that's who i look at and i say how do i do that lululemon right like i look at companies that have started with something and obviously nike started with you know like nike they want to help athletes perform and it is what it is but the more i learn about what they've done and what phil knight did i'm like yeah the more you know like patagonia let my people surf read the Mm -hmm. book like yeah man yep you take a simple idea, you build off it, and then you get this halo effect of other things that you bring to the market. This halo effect? Who knew? <laughs> I'm just saying there is that effect that could yep. happen. So where I see myself and Kalo in general and all the people that we, like the communities that we surround ourselves with in 10 years, I mean, there really is, number one, I, I, I hope I'm involved. Mm-hmm. I hope I'm here. I hope nobody comes in and tries to clear me out by that time. Cause again, I'm not that smart. So somebody might decide I'm an idiot. They gotta get rid of me. I'm just dead weight. Um, but, uh, what I want to happen is obviously to grow this in a manner in which it has the ability to perform at a level that is just extremely high, but also resonating in a way with pop culture and, with what's happening in the world today. I mean, it's like just our taglines and what we talk about. When we talk about Kalo, you know, it's not what it's made of, it's what it represents. You know, it's not how much you pay for something, it's 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 how you utilize it and how you fly your flag. Um, some of the like basic things that we believe in here, family being first. I mean, one of the reasons why I'm so hyped on what we do is because there's really no one else doing what we do. There's really no one else saying, hey, love your wife and your family. Yep. What other brands out there going like, yeah, we want to sell you. I'm not. And, and what people don't understand is that I'm not really trying to sell you a ring. When I describe our company, I describe it as an active lifestyle company. And our hero product is this ring that allows you to represent your commitment in a way that is passionate and powerful. And the ring says you're married and something else. And I think that's one of the huge components of what I want to do with Kalo is like, we want you to, we want to represent a simple foundation of something and something else. And we always try to layer what it means to use our products. And so for me, whether you're, you know, bringing out one of our water bottles, whether you're, you know, using one of our blankets, whether you're using one of our, you know, like some of our children's products that we have coming out, or whether you're, you just, you're just flying your flag of commitment with your ring. It's irrelevant because we want to offer, you know, 
we want to offer products that talk about you, who you are and are authentic within, uh, you and your life at that moment. And I think that selling the idea of commitment and family is probably one of the more unique things that we do. It's pretty special. Yeah. So if you could go back to the beginning and tell yourself one thing, what would you tell yourself? Trust, trust others, trust your gut. Um, trust in numbers. I mean, I think I did a, I think we did a pretty good job of empowering certain people, but that doesn't mean that you can take away the psychosis of being a founder. Yeah. The hardest thing to do is to, I mean, I think we've talked about like, check your ego at every door that you walk into. Um, the bottom line is I'm not that important and I'm not that smart. And I'm looking for more important, smart people to surround myself with. And those are the people that may not have the quality of uh, that I have, they may not want to work 120 hours a week. They may not want to have the passion that I have, but they're so good at what they do that we just have to allow them to do it. Yeah, we each serve our role. Yeah. And I think finding a way to get your team to do what they do best is probably one of the hardest things because people want to do things, you know, that maybe they're not great at. Or sometimes you do things that you have to do because there's not the budget to bring on somebody else. And so you're multi tasking like Casey and I both did everything at the beginning and then for us to like take things away from ourselves was very difficult um oh my god dog in the office dog in the office (laughs) dog in the office Bubba (laughs) hi Bubba sorry Barley just made oh I apologize we're gonna have to edit this out oh it's okay it's fine this is this is uh yes so this is Barley and he will shed on you, and he is a monster. Go sit down, Bubba. You said he will shed on you, and I thought you said he will shed on you. <laughs> he will shed somewhere, hopefully outside. He doesn't shed. I don't office. think we should edit that part out. It's pretty good. <laughs> so, um, anyhow, the yes. uh, so yeah, so I think checking the ego at the door, yep. trusting, and um, kind of you know, it's hard to see through the mud sometimes, but you just got to wipe your eyes and keep looking for it. So that flows into the next question, and we're on the home stretch here. What is your single biggest regret? And it could be not trusting people enough or, or checking ego enough, but is there one thing that you regret most in the journey? Right now, I regret <laughs> everything we've talked about is this is gonna be kind of like the the opposite of, but I regret, well, kind of, I'm gonna give you two stage. One, I regret starting to go through a process um, we should have, ne- we, so we're three years in the business, the business exploding thousand percent growth, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, no big deal. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and the investment bankers get you, everybody oh, yeah. sells you on, you know, the vision, the, the vision the, yep. yeah, of all these things. And then you go Kite through surfing. this, yeah, you go through this process. And then at the end of it, you're like, I didn't even fucking want that. Mm-hmm. Um, and nothing is as simple as it seems. And Anybody out there that is being sold on, you know, like we can do this for you. This can like call me or text me or email my assistant because <laughs> it's bullshit. Like there's so much, there's so many things that go into actually running a process and going through a transaction that I wish I would have understood that now I do. Um, had great people with me. Don't get me wrong. Very nice. But at the end of the day, uh, agendas change and hidden agendas trump all. So... I kind of regret going through that process. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we would have kept our eye on the ball, I think we would have, I mean, last year we were ink 
you know, number 151, I think we would have been ink number five. Wow. I mean, we just, we used up so much time and energy going against what our natural trajectory was to try to solidify making other people happy a so we could walk KPIs that might mean yeah, something more to somebody you know, else. Yeah. Yep. And it was like bullshit. We should have never done that. That's a huge regret on my part. Um, you know what? People hang a big price tag in front of you and the idea of walking away, you know, again, you start something with nothing, mm -hmm. you bootstrap it, you come to like, Oh, would I take X amount of dollars? You're mm -hmm. talking about a eight, eight figure deal that you're like, Oh, that's going to, how's that going to change my life? Well, those are the things that you look back on and go, yeah, but at the end of the day, it wasn't worth it. Yep. And I wish we wouldn't have never done it. So I regret that. Good to know that. Yeah. Um, you must've been doing something more right than I did. Cause we've raised money from, um, El Catterton, uh, what was it? Almost two years ago. And, um, I was introduced to a lot of people and some bankers said, well, you know, what do you think about that? What do you think about the, uh, you know, how, how you want to run the process and how you want to do this? And I described it to them and basically all of them said, wow, I can't, if you can do that, call me back and let me know how you did it. And ultimately it comes down to, I was the founder and I knew exactly what I was looking for. And yeah. it took, it took running that process myself. I'm glad I didn't let anybody else do it yeah. to find the right partner in El Catterton yeah. in the way that we did. Cause they, they wanted to call the five people that they knew and check their boxes and, Always. and be done. And so, um, yeah, lots, we could probably do five podcasts. We on, could do a process. We could do a podcast just on the process. I'm so sure. Completely opposite from that, that regret. Um, what brings you the most joy every day? I think that's an obvious answer. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, being able to, being able to be a part of a company that's focused all around, uh, commitment and family that it started with like my commitment, my mm -hmm. family and yeah. my partner's family and what we were doing. I mean, that's the most joy. It's the most, I mean, I've said it in the podcast previously already. Like yeah. it's humbling to be a part of what we're a part of when you see this type of growth. And the irony is, is you look back at it and you don't even realize, like I said, thousand percent growth. And you're just like, yeah, we, I don't even look at it like that. But, it's you, yeah. when you live it, you don't understand it and you have to kind of pause. And my point has been like pausing and stopping to reflect is almost like dynamite because mm -hmm. I don't want to pause and stop and reflect. Sprinters don't pause. You can't. They sprint. Mm -hmm. Tell me a sprinter that's looking from the left or the right or behind them when they're sprinting and it's like Hussein, like Bolt. Only Usain Bolt. Yeah, only when Usain he Bolt. Was when he was by like a yeah, full yeah, second like, yeah, like yeah, 10 <laughs> meters ahead. So smiling. Right. So my thing is like, I don't want to stop and pause. Yeah. I want to continue to sprint. I love sprinting. It's what I do. It's what I want to do. And I don't want to change anything about it. And it's what my wife and my family is, they've become accustomed to, and I'm trying to figure out a way to line them into it. But man, I love what I do. I don't want to stop. So this is a perfect way because you love what you do. What is your most embarrassing professional moment? In my current profession or in no. any profession? No, whatever. I mean, I would imagine you have some, gems. I have some pretty, you know, there's, there's some things I'm not proud of. Okay. <laughs> should, um, we, should we skip this question? We, I mean, I, <laughs> it's founders 15, but you can be founders 14. Uh, I don't know. Um, you know what? In, I don't have a lot of things I regret or I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, uh, embarrassed of or whatever. I'm like, but the question was exactly the question was the most embarrassing professional moment. I mean, I have, uh, 
I've told buyers to go fuck themselves. I've said things. That's awesome. That, yeah. That's not embarrassing. Yeah. So I've done things that, but I think it embarrasses other people that I'm in the room with. Okay. I like that. Um, so there's that, you know, when a buyer says, yeah, this isn't going to work. And I'm like, why the fuck are we even here talking to you? Why do I even need you? And then I get up to leave and they're like, whoa. And my, my team's like, wait a second, hold on. <laughs> Let's talk this through. And then they become like a $4 million account. Um, so I think the, um, I mean, I did some pretty embarrassing things in my previous life. So I think those are going to those would those would trump anything that I've done really with Kalo. Uh, I don't want to talk about some of the auditions. I don't want to talk about some of the scenes. I don't want to talk about some of the hashtag shoots that I've done. Okay. Um, we can. Those are ugly, dirty, like yellow, yellow, uh, yellow swim trunk type decisions that you just can't take back. You can't make away. Somewhere <laughs> in the world, there there are videos or shots of me that need to be burnt. I'm sure. I'm excited for those to surface. Those will never surface. I'm. I didn't do anything that great where it would actually surface. So hopefully they'll just be like lost in some, some very nice, very gay photographer's camera that's been retired at this point. Good to go. Yeah. So <laughs> the second to last question is: Do you expect to be doing this for your whole life? I know the answer is yes, or some some offshoot of it. So yeah, I think yeah. more importantly. The last one is, how do you want to be remembered for um, the things that you've built and the things that you do? Uh, success to me is defined in like four different ways. You have like, um, you have uh, like monetary success that you become successful and you make a little bit of money. Then you have like accolades, like people see you and they go, oh, you're the guy from whatever. And then like that's kind of ego, wow. emotional success that you get because people talk you know, like really well about you and, you know, you're at a dinner party and they go, oh, you're the guy that was whatever. And then like, oh, it's really nice. It makes you feel really good. That's a part of success. I think philanthropy is a part of success. Um, you know, like giving back to others. And the irony is we were doing more philanthropy. I was giving more money away than I was taking myself at the very beginning because of the way that we went about starting the company. Um, but the last part of success for me, and I guess this is really goes to your question is like the idea of transcending success of, of who you've become and then affecting those that are around you. Um, and then doing something that others see. And when they see you do it, not only do they appreciate that you're doing it, but then they start doing it for themselves. Mm -hmm. So like that transcendence um, factor and the fact that like rising tides raise all ships. Um, I mean, for me, like I just want to be a dude that helped everybody around me be more successful I'm not looking for, you don't have to pat me on the back. I'm not looking for all these things. I just want to like, uh, even when we were talking before, like we have all this synergy and just us getting together and talking, you know, and I've texted you, mm -hmm. we've been friends for a couple years now or acquaintances, you mm -hmm. know, and when something comes up and I'm like, oh, I should text Kevin about it. I would just text you out of the blue and be like, hey, I met a guy that so-and-so. Yep. Anything. God. Yep. That's really what I want to do. Like all I wanted to be is a guy that, kind of thinks about the the totality of, of all the people he's seeing and then understand where synergies can be built and putting them together and then allowing those synergies to run wild. And then hopefully at some point, the universe or whatever will reflect back on me. Mm -hmm. um, and then hopefully that I have enough opportunity to spend enough time with the leaders within my company and the people that are on my arc that I then influence them to live. Hopefully, I, I dare say that I'm, I, I, I do it in a way that is even possible to be you know influential 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 if you will so it's that's kind of like that's, that. that's kind of my goal um and my mom my, 
my wife says on a regular basis, money comes easy and often. You just have to allow it. Mm -hmm. So I try to block out all the other bad shit that goes along. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. And a, and a great spot to conclude the in-depth portion. But oh, man. Before we move to the rapid fire. And oh, there's more. You do shit. not know the rapid fire questions. I know which nothing. I'm excited about this yes, I hope they're yes, no's for your sake, for your <laughs> listener's sake. <laughs> Where uh, so people can go to Kalo.com, Q A L O. Oh yeah, yeah. And where else can they find Kalo? Oh man, um, uh, sporting goods stores, hardware stores like Dicks, Academy. Uh, if you're in the military, uh, we work with all the exchanges, AFES, Nexcom, Coast Guard. You know. Um, and then what are your handles are on social? Uh, at Kalo. Pretty much stick with that Kalo at Q A L O. Yeah. Um, are you on social? Do you do Instagram? No, no, yeah, I didn't think no. so. Actually, I I have a ghost account just to see. Yeah, yeah I've never posted anything. The only yeah. two people that follow me are my wife and my son, and both of them are unfortunately not yeah. seeing me post anything. Yeah, I can't right. get in. You know what? My company doesn't the social. I don't think my life is that interesting. I really I, just want to work and fucking kill it. So disagree, but that's okay. Okay, well. all right. So rapid fire questions. Bring it. How many hours of sleep do you typically get a night? Uh, sub six. What would you use the gene editing technology CRISPR for on yourself? Work ethic. I don't, I don't know if you, okay, sure. Okay, um, well, uh, <laughs> the gene editing technology, what does that mean? Like you can edit your genes. I don't think you can change your work oh, ethic. You, oh, I thought you meant stuff that I would want to edit my genes? Yeah. Oh man. Um, like what would you change genetically about yourself today? Um... I don't know, change genetically about myself. I'd make myself smarter. Okay, sure. <laughs> Unlock. Okay. Yeah. Go John Travolta. What was that movie? Uh, Phenomenon yes. style. Yes, yes, yes. Bring it. Um, what is your favorite fiction and nonfiction book? Ooh, fiction and nonfiction book. Rapid fire. Um, mm, or at least your favorite. Can I change the movie? Sure. Okay. Yeah. I'm just, this, it's all about Why me right not? now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Shawshank Redemption is my favorite movie. Okay. Um, one of my favorite movies um, okay. in that genre. It's like always my go-to. Uh, and then nonfiction. You know what? I really like the the documentary with, with on HBO with Dre and Jimmy. Like that's Excellent. one of my favorite things. I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, what What is your daily music playlist theme? Theme? Yeah. Like what do you listen to? Oh man. Are you kidding me? Um, uh, I'm everywhere from Nas to like I would have guessed Let's 30 seconds to Mars nice to uh, like Incubus um, to like Eminem to yeah I am very scattered but okay. it's it could be That's anything not surprising no my son will like when he puts on uh, whatever he has on Travis Scott or Juice World or whatever then I wind up listening to that and liking that so mm -hmm. I'm, a, I'm kind of a I'm a music I used to be a DJ so I'm a little bit of a music junkie what do you, do you use Apple Music, Spotify? I actually use Pandora. Pandora because I don't have time, and so then like my car selections. My car has a special like thing that I got it. They have a um, drink of choice. I this is normally an interesting question, but you don't drink water. Um, yeah, water. Okay. Uh, what would your last meal be? My last meal, Mexican. Do you have a pet peeve? Laughing at shit that's not funny. <laughs> That, that actually that. was funny, so don't. I, I don't hate that. Yeah. What's your favorite podcast? Oh boy, so many good ones, man. And I'm so spread. Um, 
I historically listen to a lot of PTI because it's the only way I keep up with any sports and I'm still a sports junkie. So, um, PTI. yeah, okay. I, that, but I, you know, I love, I listen to Tim and I listen to Gary. I listen to, uh, I'm going to start listening to you now cause you're pretty interesting <laughs> except for this one. I'll skip this one. Yeah. yeah. When I've done podcast interviews and they're like, Hey, do you want to listen to him? Like, Nope. Nope. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Yep. I trust, <laughs> I trust I didn't say anything too bad. Ship it out. Um, Amazon, how much money does your household spend on Amazon a month as a percent of your budget? A fuck ton. That's a, actually, I mean, is that yeah, like, that's a specific percentage. Yeah, I think, uh, it's a fuck ton of percentage. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would what, say 700% of my monthly budget. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Whatever, whatever that is, that's what we spend. Um, do you have a TV show that you could watch over and over again? Um, oh man. So many. Yes. Uh, that I could watch over and over again. I have to choose one, um, one TV show I would watch over and over again. Old school, I would go like MacGyver. Uh, new school, I would go like probably Game of Thrones. Nice. Um, Breaking Bad, yep. I would crush that over and over. Yep. I mean. I've watched, uh, I've watched a couple series multiple times through. I've watched Friends multiple times through. Yeah. Scrubs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've actually watched Lost twice. Oh shit! What? Yeah, I watched Lost twice. Um, I have, watched it over the period of like two years. You have too much time on your hands. No, I watched it over a period of like two years with my wife before we had kids, and then um, I really, really, really hurt my neck. I had a C six, C seven disc extrusion. Oh, Jesus! And so there was a period of like a month where I couldn't really. Move. So you ran it back. Um, I just said, you know what, I'm going to do. I'm going to enjoy this next month. Dude, The Office and Parks and Rec, as well. Yeah. So my girl Retta is in Parks and Rec, and she is just like. It's amazing. amazing. Yeah, shows. I love I love watching those too as well. What's your favorite article of clothing? Mizanamine. Great answer. Do you love or hate cardio? I love it. I feel like people who say that are lying. No, um, it's fucking awesome. You get on that like that high. Once you hit that high, it, the beginning of it sucks always. But once you hit the high, and then you have to know where you are. My wife complains that like she says that my. I, I think I can still work out like I was when I was 30 and then I hurt myself. So in the last five years, I've had to learn how to dial it back, which is just, again, being 60 or whatever, however old I am. But yeah, so cardio is good. I'm not mad at it. Would you rather fight off 100 duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck? So they're coming for you. One horse-sized duck. Yep. I think I can take it. Just go with one? Yeah, yeah. It's a big... Big thing to challenge. That's a big dog. Um, what is your favorite destination to travel to? I think um, I, probably I love Italy. I really do. Yeah, Italy's awesome. I mean, I've been I've pretty much been everywhere in the world now except for Africa. Um, but I think Italy is probably my favorite place. Put Africa on your list. Yeah, it's, it's on there. Um, and what is the best gift that you have ever received? Probably my kids. Um, I mean, there's really no making that any better than it is. And whatever you get with them, that, that time is, uh, that time is very, um, reserved. So when you get to sit back, relax and enjoy your kids on that one day a week, whatever it is, I think that's a, probably the most special gift I could get. And what are their names? Um, Mackenzie is the little girl and Jaden is the big boy. Really cool. Yeah. And my wife is, her name is Jilly, Jillian. So Yeah. Don't forget Barley and Chorizo. It's yes. A, it's one big happy fucking family, man. And Barley bound in here earlier. He did. Now he's being held back because yeah. he knows daddy's in here. Hold at bay. 
Well, uh, this was absolutely awesome, Ted. Um, went deeper and wider and longer. Yeah, and I, all apologize. Of those I apologize. I apologize. It was amazing. No, I'm sorry. This was uh, this was absolutely awesome. Yeah. And I think it, there's something different about doing it in person. So I really appreciate you hosting. And uh, everyone, go check out Kalo. Really, really cool. And if you see anyone wearing a rubber ring and they're not wearing Kalo, smack it out of their hands and tell them to go get the right one. Go tell them to get rid of the hacks. Get rid of the hacks. Anyways. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks Ted. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Kevin S. Lavelle, and you can also go to founders15.com for show notes and other episodes. Thank you. Thank you.